right here, right now, I acknowledge that one presence, that one life that is creating all things. And because that is all there is, this God substance bringing all things into being, I know that that is the truth of what and who I am. I know that is the truth of all. And that this presence living in, as, and through me now is expressing itself and all that it is throughout every part of me and out into my life. It is expressing its infinite power, infinite love, infinite peace. And I take great joy in that, knowing that my world and all who fill it, all experiences, are God walking with me breathing with me, that I am whole and complete and perfect right now. And I give great thanks for that truth, knowing all is well, all is good, all are blessed. And so I release this into the action of the law, that servant that has already brought that into being. For it is done. And together we say, and so it is. Our topic today is how God works through us. And I want to say to start with that the how God works through us, there's not a God out there. It's not a duality thing. It's not a big guy in the sky manipulating us down here, okay? It's not that. It's more our own sacred, authentic self within expressing. And yet we have to pay attention to that, don't we? We get to say yes or not. So how does God work through us? The first thing to know about how God works through us is messily. (laughs) Messily. Uh, It's a new word. Just, just roll with it. It's a messy thing, right? How many of you have ever been involved in a creative process, project, anything? It's messy, right? You know, a few weeks ago, I, I, I had my, my home was in wonderful order. I had all my books stacked in boxes in my closet very neatly and orderly. I had no access to them. I couldn't use them, but they were stacked in boxes neatly and orderly. Orderly, yeah, right. And so I bought some bookshelves because I wanted to free the books so that I could use them. And if you'd walked into my house while I was in the process of building the bookshelves, it would have looked like what? A mess. You know, the Ikea boxes were scattered all over the place and torn up. The, the shelving was here and there. And then I had to, you know, get into the boxes and put them all out. And then I threw my back out, you know, at the end of it. It was a mess. But guess what? I now have books that I can access. Recently, somebody in my class that we're doing, they said, for my project, I want to do a project that involves art. 
And I said, I've got some books that can help you with that. And I knew, I didn't just know where they were, like in the box, in a box somewhere. I could walk to the shelf and pull them off and hand them to that person. Right? Because we now have access. The universe is messy in its process. Spirit is constantly seeking to express more life. More of life. Of its life. And our ego can oftentimes be seeking to remain in its comfortable little shell. Right? And so we have this life urge that's pushing us forward, and then we have this ego that's trying to press us against it, and we get squashed in the middle as, until we finally say, yes, I'm willing to put down my ego and go with the flow. Because until we do that, we live in discomfort and messiness, right? Michael Beckwith says, a bad day for the ego is a good day for the soul. <laughs> Yesterday I had a bad, it wasn't a day, it was, but it was a moment for my ego. See, I want you to, I, I, have, I have a confession to make. I am personally responsible for all the snow we've had lately. <laughs> and the reason that I'm personally responsible for it is because outside of my front door, I have this little hanging, a little wreath there that says, let it snow. And I'm a minister, so when I say let it be, it is, right? And on Wednesday when it started snowing, I was looking at that and I said, you know what, I need to take that thing down. <laughs> and I knew what I wanted to replace it with. I will have this, this sign that's a, a board and on, on it has metal letters that say joy. And I wanted to replace it with that sign, Right? And so I went looking out in my garage, because I knew I had just seen that sign recently. And I couldn't remember exactly where, but I knew I had just seen it recently. So I went out to my garage, and I started looking through my garage for that sign, and looking through my garage, and I went and looked through other rooms in the house and places where it might be, and I couldn't find the joy sign. I could not find my joy. Anybody relate? And so I finally did what I always do. I prayed. I had this prayer, I'm actually really good at finding things. And so it was just simply knowing that there is only one mind, and within that one mind, everything is known. The location of everything is known, and that mind reveals to me the location of my joy sign right now. And I looked around my garage a little bit more, couldn't find it. And so I finally said, okay, I'm going to let go. I know that this sign will show up in the perfect way, in the perfect timing. That was Wednesday. Friday, it did what? Snowed again. I went back out in my garage. Where is that sign? Right? Couldn't find it, couldn't find it, couldn't find it. Yesterday morning, I had some of our practitioners and practitioner students over for a workshop. And as the last of them was leaving, a person named Buffy, (laughs) she walks out of my front door, she taps that little wreath, and she goes, you need to get this down. I said, I know, I'm trying to find this sign that says joy to replace it with, and I can't find it. I just, I've looked everywhere, and I can't find it. And she looked at the other wall of my front porch, and she said, you mean that sign right there? (laughs) Bad moment for the ego. See, I pride myself in knowing stuff, right? I'm a smart guy, right? I know where my stuff is. And then I had to go write this talk. 
And so I'm sitting there saying, okay, so how is that good for my soul? It's good for my soul because guess what? The prayer that I put out manifested. It worked. The treatment that I did the, the, worked. It's like it reinforced my faith, and yes, this process works. I have a piece on earth, a little wall hanging that was in my garage that I put out there instead. This, the let it snow sign is down. We will have no more snow <laughs> until, you know, next winter. Our ego keeps us confined in this little shell until the life urge within us says, I've got to peck my way out of this shell. And you know what? I have people who come to me and say, I want to have a major change in my life, but I want it to be easy and graceful. Guess what? That's an improbability. I won't say it's an impossibility, but it's an improbability. If I want to do a major shift, I'm going to have to get messy, right? My ego is going to be uncomfortable, right? And so that's the first thing to know about how spirit works through us is it's messy. You ever seen a caterpillar? It feels this urge. Denny, here's a cue for you. It feels an urge to spin itself into a cocoon. It was a perfect fake happy caterpillar before that, right? And then it turns into a complete mess. The caterpillar just does what? Dissolves. The caterpillar identity is no more. How many of you on the spiritual path have felt like your previous identity has dissolved or at least taken a major hit? Right? Eventually, though, what happens is, next slide, a butterfly emerges. And even in the emerging, the butterfly has to work its way out of the cocoon. It doesn't just pop and, hi, here I am. There's a process. There's a struggle, if you will. Not a suffering, but a struggle. There's a difference between those two. We have to effort in the process. Struggling is optional. I mean, suffering is optional about that struggle. But we do have to make effort. Interestingly enough, by the way, the cocoon, this is a wonderful metaphor, provides nourishment to the butterfly after it gets out. The first thing it does when it gets out is it starts to eat the cocoon. Our own process, our own dark nights of the soul that we've come through provide nourishment for the next stage of our journey, provide the wisdom, provide the heart energy that we need for the next stage of our journey. And the caterpillar doesn't see the end product, does it? It doesn't sit there and go, oh, I'm, I'm going to be a butterfly. In fact, I'm going to be such a magnificent butterfly. No, the caterpillar probably, if we can listen to its thought process, when it sees a butterfly, sits there and looks around and, and goes, what dumb creatures, look at them, flitting from here to there. Can't they make up their mind where they want to be? I am so glad. I'm grounded. I'm practical. I'm just putting 50 feet in front of the other 50 feet day after day, you know? And I'm just moving along. I'm being a good caterpillar. I'm grounded. I'm practical. We have to be willing to be messy and not even know where we're going. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that we have a wonderful slide guitarist, Dan, over here. I bet you you didn't exactly know where your solo was going. You didn't practice it and rehearse it out ahead of time. You just let it flow, right? Yes. And that's what a good musician, when they're in touch with their thing, does, is they don't know exactly where it's going to go. They have a general ballparkish notion. 
that they let it flow. So that's, that's the first thing we need to know about how spirit works through us is messily. It's a new word for your vocabulary. The second thing, the way that spirit works through us is uniquely. Uniquely. Each of us is a unique expression of the divine. Our life is custom designed one time only for us. Look at your neighbor say, you're not me. But so often, our ego wants to live somebody else's life. Danny, why don't you put up that, that third slide? Got it? So on the right side, we have Thor trying to draw Excalibur out of the stone. Mighty Thor trying to draw Excalibur out of the stone. Can he do that? And we have on the other side the young Arthur trying to pick up Thor's hammer. Can he do that? If you know the, the mythology around those two objects, the sword in the stone was put there with a spell put on it that only the true king could pull it out. And he would pull it out with ease. And Thor's hammer was created by Odin, the god Odin, and only Thor can wield it. Now, both these two people are wonderful people, but they're trying to do the wrong thing. How many of us have tried to live the wrong life at some point in time? We try to live somebody else's life because we think it's better. We think it's more important than our own. Yes? God, look at that person. They're doing such wonderful things, and I'm just being here. We try and live somebody else's life because it's safer. I don't have to figure things out and really be myself. I don't have to take risks because if I just follow what they said and what they did, I don't have to figure it out again. It's been said that people who practice religion, which is, there's a dogma in most religions. There's also a truth underneath. There's a mystical truth underneath. I'm not talking about that. But religions tend to follow rules. And so the people who do that are afraid of going to hell, where the people who practice spirituality have already been to hell <laughs> and through hell. I remember I've, I've had a couple of friends who came into religious science and, and, and then left after a while saying, I need some rules to follow. You guys have no rules. It's like you just sit there and go, you mean it's, it's, I'm creating it as I go? And the answer is yes. I can't do that. I need some rules. Marianne Williamson's famous quote includes the part that says, our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? That's the ego talking. That's the part that wants to keep us small and locked into our little shell. Right? But we live a unique life. We live a life that is nobody else's to live but our own. And so the question I have for you is, will you live your life? Not my life, not the person next to you's life, your life. Will you live that life? Yes is a good answer, by the way. There's a third way that spirit works through us. It works from within and without. Within us and all around us. There's an inner urging that drives us, that calls us, like the plant that, that is called by its inner urge to bloom and to become a flower or an oak tree or whatever. 
the butterfly, or the caterpillar that's called to be a butterfly. There's a generative force of evolution that occurs within us that is always moving in all of life. We are moving forward. How many of you realize, how many of you feel like right now you're moving at 1,000 miles an hour? But we are, right? All of us. Because the planet is rotating at about 1,000 miles an hour while it's spinning on its axis, while it's orbiting the sun, while the sun is moving through the galaxy. Yes? Okay. Do you notice it? No. But it's happening anyways, whether we feel like it or not. There's this force that is moving, whether we've noticed it or not. We don't necessarily notice evolution. In our, in our Wednesday night class this past week, a couple of people were talking about how when they look back five years, they could not imagine their life being what it is today. They could not imagine having taken that trajectory and arrived at it today. They never saw the finished product or the point of, of where they are today. This isn't a finished product, but the point of where they are today. And most of us are living our lives, and if we live in alignment with spirit, there's an urging, there's a something within us that knows how to live that life, how to bloom, how to blossom as us, how to become the butterflies or the, or the dragonflies or the, the beautiful, ever more wonderful people that we already are, and we're letting free. That's already within us. It's always urging us forward. It's surging forward as life, and it's always creating something new and better, never less. Always creating more and never less. It's not stuck in repetition, the same old thing over and over and over again. Life isn't like that. And if we try to make it like that, then guess what? (laughs) We run into mess. We run into feeling that confinement and that stuckness. The other thing about this is I said that life comes from within. It also is sourced from without. It is also sourced around us. So the plant, the caterpillar, the butterfly, everything around it that it needs to survive, to thrive, is provided. The light, the water, the soil, the food, the, the, everything that's necessary is already provided. So this, this life energy is creating from within and supporting from without simultaneously. You and I are living in that right now. You and I are living in that right now. The seed doesn't know its end result. We can't see the end result. If you ask the people who said that five years ago, if you would have asked them five years ago, would you expect to be here? The answer is no. And yet our result is included in our very DNA. The caterpillar has the imaginal cells within it that creates the butterfly. The seed has within it what it's going to manifest out into. It's already there. It may not know it. It may not know the finished product, but it's already there. Everything that we have is already within us. Everything we need is already within us. We can't see it from here, but we are creating a new heaven and a new earth, a new humanity right now. You and I are involved in that. And right now, it's a birthing process going on in the world. Have you noticed? It's messy. For people who are caught up in in the resistance of it, there's struggle and suffering. Have you noticed? Okay. This new humanity, this new earth, this new heaven is being created through us. Jesus is a wonderful example of moving through the human process, the crucifixion process, and into the divine, into the greater life. 
And we sometimes have to, I think we probably always have to go through the crucifixion, the dark night of the soul, the, the, the winter, to get to the spring, right? We have to go through that winter to get to the spring. Something new is being created through us. And all it takes is our willingness, our yes, to allow that to happen. And so the question then becomes, are you willing to say yes? Beatrice Bruteau, who is a, a mystic who lived uh, in the last century, said, to share in the divine life, I must accept the vocation. Vocation is a calling, the voca, the calling, the vocation of consciously living in this self-creating universe. This means that I need to know something about the whole thing, how it works, how it's moving, how to take my place in it, make my meaningful contribution to this general improvisation. Joining in spirit's creative work is central to the whole contemplative process, the whole contemplative exercise. We have to willingly participate. If you want to be part of the new heaven and the new earth and the new order, we have to willingly participate. At least it's easier if we're willingly participating, right? It's not necessarily more comfortable, but it's, it's easier. It works. So how do we do this? First, we ask, we ask, what is mine to do? What is it that wants to be coming through me at this point in time? And then we take time to listen. We take the time to listen for the answer. Right now, some of us are doing the 40-day abundance process. Yesterday's reading was, through my consciousness of my God self, the Christ within, as my source, I draw into my mind and feeling nature the very substance of spirit. This substance is my supply. Thus, my consciousness of the presence of God within is my supply. If we take the time to be conscious of this presence in which we are, which is within us and around us, right? It's happening within us. It's happening all around us. If we're conscious of that, if we take the time to listen and to to work together with it, to communicate with it, to say, what is it that needs to come through uniquely me? What is mine to do? Not what is Susan's to do. Not what is Tim's to do. Even if he has the same last name as I do, it's still a different thing. What is mine to do? And take time to listen to that. And then once we've listened, to be willing to act from that awareness, from that knowing, to act. Faith without works is dead. There has to be an action. And so this is a dance that we live in that we're doing. It's, it's between the, the egos wanting to just run out and make something happen right now, right? Some of you know that person? Some of you have been that person? I know none of you are that person anymore. It's between that and it's between sitting back and out of fear or disbelief, doing nothing. I'm just going to sit in my prayer chair and I'm going to chant, Om, but I'm not going to do anything. And so we have to find the, the, the median in between that. We have to take that dance. We have to listen to our authentic self, not just for the ideas, but also for the process. See, when I, when I prayed to find my joy sign, I actively looked. I took action. But then I also stepped back after I couldn't and knew it would show up in the perfect time. So what is ours to do? We need to listen. We need to pay attention we need to be willing to participate. 
We have to let go of our ego that wants to block it. There's nothing wrong with the ego. It's what identifies us as a unique being. But we don't want it driving the coach, right? We want the spiritual self, the intuitive self from within, driving the coach. So we ask the question, what wants to come through me? Instead of what do I, the ego self, want? Because we can get messed up with that, right? And the ego likes to be safe and have... Spirit works in possibility. The ego works in probability. You know, in, in football, this last year, it might have been the last two years, there was a one, there's a new thing that they're doing. They, they have an algorithm that's created by Amazon, I think, that, that's what they call the probability ag- algorithm of the probability of the pass going to any one particular player. And what I've noticed is a lot of times when they run that, the player that actually gets the ball was oftentimes the person with only a 2% probability of getting that football. Because the algorithm doesn't take everything into account. See, a few weeks ago I was on Amazon and I was shopping for um, pathway lights, those little solar-powered lights to put on your, your, uh, your walkway to light it up at night. And I found a particular set that, that I kind of thought, oh, this looks good. And so I put it into my, my wish list. A couple days later, Home Depot sent me a 10% off coupon. And I went, I'm going to look up and see what they got. Well, they had a nice lighting set too, and, and with the 10% coupon, it was a little, about the same price. But I could just drive right over to the Home Depot, which is five minutes away, pick them up, and have them installed that same day. Guess what continues to show up in my advertising, in my emails, in my Facebook page, and everywhere else? Those same lights that I put, and by the way, I've, I've taken them off my wish list, and they still keep showing up because the algorithm doesn't know that I went and bought them somewhere else. Our ego is like that. It runs on its own version of probability, its own little algorithms that take some things into account but don't allow for the freedom of spirit to work through us. And so when we free ourselves from the, the egoistic process, we can create things we've never done before. I think it was Nelson Mandela who said, everything is impossible until it's done. Everything is impossible until it's done. So this week, I want to invite you to move past the realm of probability and into the realm of possibility. First, take time. This is our spiritual practice for the week. Take time to ask, what wants to come through me now? What wants to come through me now? What does spirit want to bring through me now? And, and to not judge it with, oh, this is too small or this is too big. That's just our ego talking. In spirit, there's no big or small. You guys all remember the, the, the Star Wars movie where Yoda is, is teaching Luke about lifting the, the, what do you call it, the jet fighter out of, out of the, the lake. And, and Luke goes, oh, it's just too big. It's too heavy. I can't do that. And Yoda says, there is no big or small in the force. There is no big or small in God. So we ask that question, what wants to come through me now, and sit and listen for the answer. Second part of that then is ask, and what is mine to do now about that? In other words, don't just reveal to me the what is mine to do, reveal the process itself. How am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to do this? Give me some guidance. See, we're never called to do something or to have something come through us without also being given the how. The plant isn't called to blossom unless it's also given the dirt and the soil and the nutrients and the water and the light and the air to do so. 
So that's where when we say that God supports within and without, ask, the, ask it. Make clear the support from without. How is this going to happen? Show me the way. And finally, treat and move your feet. This is a saying we have in religious science. Treat and move your feet. Treatment is spiritual mind treatment, the, the prayer process that we do, and move your feet. In other words, after I did that prayer, I still went to my garage and I looked. I didn't just sit there and go, oh, Spirit's just going to float that sign up. It's going to levitate it across the room and hand, drop it right into my hands. No, I went and looked for it. And, and even if that process didn't work, it still did something to move me forward towards it. Treat and move your feet. Put your faith in motion. So that's our three practices this week. Take time to ask what wants to come through me now and listen. Ask what is mine to do about that and trust that a process is being revealed to you. Maybe only the first step of a process. You won't see the end result, but start the process anyways. And then finally, treat and move your feet. Are you willing to do that this week? We need to play with that this week. Take an action. Take the time to listen and move forward. I'm going to close with a quote from Reverend John Moreland, who said, yes, create intentions and affirmations, but first be quiet and really listen. As students of the science of mind, we can be mesmerized by our own voices. I love that line. We can be mesmerized by our own voices. We often seek to use the law to create things that may actually have nothing to do with us or our life purpose. We need to ask for Spirit's guidance through a spiritual practice of listening. Having a demonstration of answered prayer or the realization of our intentions requires silence. Our prayers are answered and our intentions are realized usually through new ideas that we can act upon. If we believe that we have not yet had a response to prayer, we should ask ourselves if we have stopped talking at spirit long enough to receive a response. Let's move into prayer. Reveal to us presence within each of us and all around each of us, what is ours to do. And so it is.